0: I don't regret anything that's happened in my life because it's made me who I am. And when I think about it, I'm a pretty fucking strong guy.
1: Better conversations with attempt survivors. Why? Well, a lot of reasons, but the main one is to help more people in more places feel a little less shitty and a little less alone. Now, if you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at suicidenoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at suicidenoted. And I know I say this a lot, but check the show notes. There's all kinds of other things going on if you want to. Get involved, including our membership We could use the support, and there are some perks Also, if you have a moment, rate and review the podcast It really helps people find it I believe you can only do that on Apple So if that's where you listen, help us out And finally, we are talking about suicide on this podcast As the title suggests, like we do every week We know it's not a good fit for everybody So please take that into account before or as you listen But I do hope you listen, because there is so much to learn Today I am talking with Bobby Bobby lives in Florida, and he is a suicide attempt survivor. Hey, Bobby. Love the hair.
0: I'm a bald guy from New York, too. Where? Brooklyn. I'm originally from Brooklyn. I live in Gainesville, Florida. Duh, now.
1: Okay. Let's jump right in. You've attempted to end your life at some point?
0: Yes. When I was 19 years old. One time. That's the only time I attempted. I was, I've had suicidal ideations for years.
1: Do you remember the first time when you started thinking about ending your life in any way?
0: Yeah, I was like six years old. That's young. Yeah.
1: Little Bobby's thinking about ending his life, right?
0: Yeah, because my parents were divorced when I was two and a half, so I didn't have any really good role models. I had some, but not a father.
1: Got you. I know this is going back at least a few years, but when you're that age and you're thinking about that, what do you think stops you from doing it? And this might apply to you as you get older, too, until you're 19, at least.
0: I don't know. I don't know how to do anything. (laughs) I didn't have any clue how to end my life. I just wanted everything to stop.
1: What'd you do? I mean, I know you didn't end your life or try then, but what did you do?
0: Yell, scream, throw tantrums. I just get loud. Like my family, you know, from New York. Yeah. My mother's uh, family is from Italy, so we're loud. The only way to communicate is to be loud. That's the only way to get heard. Never felt that I fit in with anyone. I get bullied a lot. That's what kind of started it, really.
1: You got bullied? You're a big dude, right?
0: Oh, yeah. I'm now, yeah. Yeah.
1: Back then, you weren't?
0: I was just a kid, you know? Yeah. Couldn't defend myself. Public school? Public school. PS 97 for a while. Then I went to a Catholic school.
1: Better? No, same thing. <laughs> you got bullied.
0: Yeah, it was the same shit.
1: What did you When you got older and you were getting bullied, did you start doing other shit? Uh, yeah. I've uh, uh, been
0: uh, clean and sober now for 26 years. 12-step? Yes.
1: So do you, do you recall what happens going into your teen years and then ultimately leading to 19 years old that you try?
0: So like I started drinking like when I was like 13. The on-off switch, I don't have. It doesn't work for me. Drink a lot. And back then, angel dust was a big thing too. So I did a, some of that. When I was 15, I took on eight cops.
1: On angel dust. You lost that, I'm assuming. You can't beat eight cops.
0: No, no, not at all.
1: They, did they throw you in jail?
0: Yeah, for a few days.
1: At 15 years old?
0: Yeah. I I didn't give him my name for the first day because I was afraid my father would find out. What did you think he was going to do? Beat beat the shit out of me?
1: Did he beat the shit out of you?
0: No, actually, he took me to Miami to party.
1: (laughs) Your dad, who you said was was physically abusive, when he finds out that you were on angel dust, I don't know if he found out that part and took on angel dust. No, I
0: didn't find that stuff out.
1: Takes you to Miami to party. Okay. (laughs) I mean, you got a memoir here, no doubt. People would be interested. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. All right. Drugs, alcohol, fighting, whatever else. Then what happens?
0: I had a calling. And I wanted to become a Catholic priest.
1: All right. Let me, let me just like bracket this moment for a second. You got to write the fucking book. Please write this book. Okay. Just <laughs> the angel dust, the cops, the dad taking you to Miami and being a priest. I'm totally into it.
0: Yeah. I mean, like growing up, like I was an altar boy for years and I went to Catholic camp in the summers. I still got bullied by some kids. I would also do some bullying to kids younger than me. That's what happens. That's what you do. The priests and the brothers there were awesome. They treated me great. I felt solace in religion.
1: You found that now. a lot of kids, or at least some, not a lot, had some really bad experiences. And you know what I mean with the Catholic Church. That didn't apply to you?
0: Mine was perfect. I had a great experience with the
1: church. That's great.
0: Great experience. You know, I I got mentored by priests and people in church. It was was really good. And I was part of this uh, youth group in the church. At the church, too, which was really beneficial to me.
1: So, you wanted to be, you contemplated being, going into that line of work.
0: I went to a junior seminary for about a year. Brooklyn? No, in uh, Goshen, New York, upstate New York.
1: How much shit happens in upstate New York?
0: <laughs> yeah, so the the group that, the church group that I was a camp at is, they're so Salesians. They follow uh, Saint Don Bosco, who was the patron saint of kids. And he started a boys club. That's what. It was like, you know, getting mentored and people actually heard me felt for the first time and I felt really comfortable, but I still liked to party.
1: That got in the way? Yeah. Can't do can't do both.
0: No. I, I had violent streaks a lot throughout my childhood and that's why I got I got kicked out of the junior seminary because I was violent.
1: Did the priest try to help in that way? Oh absolutely,
0: yeah. They tried. They tried so, really hard.
1: What does it take for that kind of Group, they're, they're doing God's work to kick a kid out. What do you got to do to get that done?
0: They just said it wasn't for me. Were they right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I like girls too much. That chastity I, I couldn't do.
1: Is that really possible?
0: Yeah, for some people.
1: Wow. Okay. It's possible. All right. Take me to 19. What, what's going on? I was 17
0: first. 17, going to, I got into a treatment center because my drinking and alcohol use was, drug use was way too much. I was living with my mother in New Jersey at that point. And she just didn't know how to deal with me. I mean, I couldn't deal with me. I just hated who I was. I hated everything about myself. Didn't really fit in any place. So I was working a place and I I got drunk, really drunk one day and went to work and I punched my store manager. Mm. (laughs) That's not a good thing if you want to keep a job. I went to a hospital because I overdosed on alcohol. They gave me my walk-in papers and I was like, you know what? I don't want to do this. I, I need help. And I asked for help. And I went to a treatment center.
1: Do you think that the drinking was kind of a slow suicide?
0: Absolutely. With me, like since that on-off switch wasn't there, I'll give you a little war story. I was in school and I was was at home and I drank a quart of vodka
1: and I went to school. Wait, you drank the whole thing?
0: I drank a whole quart of vodka.
1: I would drink water.
0: Right, put a scotch and a quart of vodka.
1: So you had a very high tolerance.
0: I blacked out. I woke up in the hospital getting stitches in my head. I smashed the bottle over my own head and started eating the glass.
1: What are we going to do with young Bobby? So
0: that's exactly what I was thinking. So I definitely say it was trying to kill myself that way.
1: I wonder what it was like for people to see that.
0: People laughed at me. Like, you know, my peers, they thought it was funny. Yeah. You know, because, I mean, the people I hung out with had to be worse than me.
1: Wonder where they are today.
0: I'm just, I know some of them are dead. Really? Yeah.
1: You just can only do that for so long, right? It just doesn't work.
0: Yeah, it doesn't work. It doesn't work. So I fast forward. I moved. I, I was li- living at my dad's house in Brooklyn. He was really abusive. He was a drunk, abusive drunk. Begged my mom to let me back in her house. At that point, she had remarried and moved to New Jersey, and she allowed me to move in with her. And I stopped drinking for about three months, but I started again.
1: Well, I knew that was coming, right? But still, I mean, kudos to white knuckling it or whatever you did.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it was—white knuckling.
1: So it's not sustainable, really. Mm, absolutely not. So three months is up. You're back to drinking. And what happens?
0: Back to drinking. Um, I, That's when I hit a, my first bottom. And when I went to work and punched my boss, I went to a treatment center for a month and a half. Heard there was 12 step programs that came in and I fell in love. I was like, wow, there's a way to get out of this crap. And I bought it lock, stock and barrel. And I got involved in the fellowship I was at. I was able to stay clean for almost two years.
1: Mm. you were in the boys club or the group with the men and the priest and then that didn't work out but you loved it right and then you find this other thing which is way different but there is some commonality like brotherhood and connection Yeah,
0: the fellowship
1: but this is what we all want right
0: right well and buddhists call it sangha community same stuff yep
1: can't do it alone i don't think that's one of my big life challenges is i'm doing too much alone and it's yeah it's just hard man it's, it's just...
0: tough it's really tough
1: yeah, 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 and that that goes beyond just drinking. I mean, that's just life. Yeah. So yeah, so like right, two years, cool, and then obviously we know where this is going, right?
0: And then so like, Bobby was working on my fourth step.
1: I, which, I like that you just went third person, Bobby, not me. Bobby doesn't make it through fourth step. Fourth step. Bobby,
0: Bobby didn't make it through the fourth step. Um, what fourth step? Taking a moral inventory of myself. Uh, I got to some ne- some stuff that I had assumed was negative at the time. Uh, about myself sexuality uh, wise and i was homophobic it doesn't mesh
1: wait wait let's back up you're homophobic (laughs) are you gay i am not gay so what was going on tell me i'm just curious i was attracted to some guys that you couldn't handle that
0: i couldn't handle that because i was a racist homophobe
1: wait you're throwing race in there too
0: oh yeah i was yeah
1: like almost like it sounds almost like neo-Nazi type stuff.
0: Uh, pretty much, yeah, yeah. I shaved my head like this. Now I shaved it because I just accept God's will and I'm bald. <laughs> but, <laughs>
1: but that oh, so you went through a phase then? Were you actually a, a, in a group like that
0: when I was still in Brooklyn? I was.
1: Would you hurt people? Yeah. Does the fact that I'm Jewish make you want to kill me?
0: Not at all. Would it then? No. Only if you had alcohol, it would have been fine.
1: Oh wait, now alcohol would have helped, not hurt.
0: It would have helped for sure.
1: Oh wow, okay, this is fascinating, dude.
0: When I got clean, I realized that, you know what, I'm not really racist. I didn't care about people's race anymore. Like, you know, but the sexuality thing was still bothering me because I'm like, I didn't like gay people. I was afraid of them. And here I am attracted to some guys. That's when I tried to kill myself.
1: I know that the 12 step program, it sounds like in many ways saved you. It did. The fourth step at that time, and you're like, at Legit- that time
0: in my life, I didn't have a solid foundation of the first three steps. I meant I you're an addict or alcoholic, whatever you want to do. <laughs> Believe that there's a power greater in yourself that can help you. And three is to turn my will and my life over to that, the care of that higher power.
1: Does that higher power have a name for you? Who's was God. Poor doozy. All right. So take me to that day in as much as you want.
0: I got into an argument with my parents. My mom and stepdad had already been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. Which was a bogus freaking diagnosis. Because back in 89, they, they gave all the kids that diagnosis. So I was taking a lithium and a drug called imipramine. I ate a month's worth of both of them.
1: And that was the attempt?
0: Yes. So we're talking like a lot.
1: With the intent to die?
0: Yes. Yeah, so I was like, I can't do this anymore. I'm fucking done.
1: You drink also that day?
0: I did not. Wow. I wasn't old enough to buy booze. And I was in New Jersey, so they wouldn't sell me booze anyway.
1: What were you, 19? Yeah. It sounded like you'd already read like a whole life at that point.
0: Oh, I felt like it too.
1: And you wake up?
0: Woke up three days later um, in ICU. It was the 4th of July because I remember I had planned to go to a friend's party in recovery. Then the argument happened and I just I took all those pills. And for some reason, um, I might call it divine intervention, I made a phone call to that friend's house. I had blacked out already. I didn't know what was going on. So... Everything else is from what my friends had told me, but they came and picked me up and saw that I had overdosed and brought me to the hospital. Uh, They got me to the front door of the hospital and I was having grand mal seizures and I woke up on dialysis. it was, it was bad.
1: You remember taking the pills?
0: I remember taking the pills. I remember, and I remember the freaking, I remember the pain of, of wanting to end it.
1: Emotional pain of wanting to not be alive.
0: Oh yeah. It was terrible.
1: This is one of the tricky parts when I have these conversations is there's they're just some words, right? You literally don't want to be alive. When you woke up, what do you remember? What, what did you feel like?
0: I remember thinking, what the fuck? Why am I still here? Yeah. And then my friend came into the room with my mom, uh, two of my friends. It was in ICU and only family was allowed. So she told the hospital that these two guys were my brothers so they could come see me. Nice. They said, what the fuck happened? I told them exactly what happened and they didn't judge me.
1: Oh, good friends. They loved me. Hmm. And mom,
0: unconditional love. To this day, she calls me her miracle baby.
1: She called you that when you were born, or after this incident?
0: My whole life.
1: Did your dad was your dad around at the time?
0: Uh, he was not in the picture anymore. I wouldn't allow him.
1: So, how long do you stay in the hospital?
0: I was in there for three days. I had spent the uh, quite a career, uh, a few years of going to a psych hospital. Oh, really? On the fourth floor, they. <laughs> Yeah, in uh place South Namboy, New Jersey, several times, like several times a year.
1: You were going I mean, there by your own? Who was sending you there?
0: I was going on my own. I couldn't handle life.
1: So the writing is on the wall.
0: The writing's on the wall. I'm, something's gonna happen. Even clean, I was desperate.
1: Do you think that's also why one of the reasons why you connected with the that Aryan Brotherhood is again, it's the connection. You don't have anything.
0: Yeah. So looking looking back and doing a a, a real fourth step with a good foundation years later. Mm. I had mistaken respect and fear because my whole life I just wanted to be respected. And when I got feared, it felt like respect.
1: It does, yeah. Yeah. It's intoxicating, I think. Big time. And you're still vulnerable to that, I imagine, because you said it in the present tense earlier, I think, which is I am an addict. I think you said something like that.
0: Yeah, I'm in recovery. I'm an addict. I'm, I'm, I'll always be an addict.
1: There's some people that aren't aligned with 12-step, but they would disagree. They say you don't have to always. Yeah you don't agree with that?
0: I know that if I pick up a drink right now, I'll end up smoking crack or shooting heroin a few days later. That's probably where my addiction will take me.
1: So you literally, and I don't think this is exaggeration from what you're saying, if you have one drink, it's like suicide.
0: Absolutely. Wow.
1: All right. So you survive, you get out of the hospital. What happens after that?
0: I decided to go back to the treatment center that I had went to two years before that because it was a it wasn't just a drug treatment center. It was for mental illness as well.
1: Were you mentally ill? Absolutely. What was your mental illness? Does it have a name?
0: Uh, major depression. Now it's, it's, been, it's called major depression. They, back then, they still thought I was bipolar. Incorrectly. Incorrectly.
1: That place helped?
0: Yeah, it gave me some time to reflect and work on things and like look at those issues that I had tried to kill myself about.
1: What changes that you don't want to kill yourself again or you don't try to kill yourself again?
0: There were people in my corner. I knew that they were in my corner. Yeah. Because people have always been there. I just didn't know it. You know what I mean? They're for me emotionally.
1: You're and- about, you're already about 50 now?
0: Now I'm about 51.
1: Before you tell me the whole Florida thing, when did you move to Florida? Uh,
0: the end of 94.
1: Let me let me ask you a little bit more about, about that other stuff, and then I want to hear about Florida, okay? Sure. How did you find me? This is the raw.
0: Last year, I went through uh, TMS treatment. I was... Really, really, romancing, killing myself in 2020. I, my wife and I got divorced. Um, we have a beautiful daughter together. Before that, even like when we were still together, and I was quote unquote, here the quotes, happy. I got suicidal then, and I had a plan. I texted my wife, "Please call home," and she called me right away. Because later on, she told me she knew something's wrong because I said, "Please call." I signed myself into a hospital then. I had already been cleaning this over for a long time.
1: I was going to ask you, so this whole time you're clean, but this whole time you're still really battling depression. Absolutely. How many times did you uh, almost attempt in that whole time between 18, 19, 19
0: and? On and off, I would get the, you know, romancing the idea of killing myself. I would still get depressed, come up with a plan and just white knuckle it and not do what I planned.
1: Okay, and at some point, not too long ago, I believe, you look online for something related to suicide.
0: Yeah, I'll tell you exactly what happened. I was looking on Amazon, and I was looking for a way to kill myself. I was going to buy things to kill myself. I was going to either buy some heroin and overdose on it on purpose, sure, or I take Adderall now, or I was taking Adderall all the time, I was going to take all of that, but I didn't want to feel physical pain. Sure. So I looked for ways online. And I found other ways that I could have done it without pain. Somebody said to me, and uh, her her husband had committed suicide. And she has a, a son with the guy to kill himself. And she told me, you have a little girl that needs you. And that was my wake-up call.
1: How old is your daughter?
0: She's 11 years old. So she doesn't just need you now. She's going to need you down the road. I was in 12-step meetings, and I still didn't... I wasn't clicking with, peop- with a lot of people because... How can I explain to them that I'm, you know, I'm clean, sober all these years and I want to kill myself? That's not really a good message of hope to people to try to get sober because, you know, this guy's got whatever, how many years and he wants to kill himself like this. This
1: doesn't work. Maybe that's one way to look at it. Sure.
0: But then people had told me like, you know what? Seeing you struggle and getting through it is the real hope.
1: Fuck yes.
0: The real deal is that, you know, I was in a marriage and I was clean and sober and I was abusive to my wife. It wasn't physical, but I would get loud. And me being loud is scary, probably. And I was that way with my daughter.
1: When did you stop that?
0: When I had separated from my my ex, when I moved out, I felt more desperation because I my life had been turned upside down. When I asked my my ex if she wanted to work on it, she's like, "I'm past that." And I didn't fight it. I was like, "Okay, I'm, why should I fight for something that you don't want? You know, if you don't want me." Fine, I'm out
1: okay, but still here Bobby well how'd you find the podcast so' um,
0: I was like I gotta stay alive i I can't kill myself I just can't do it because I knew I knew deep inside that it was gonna pass so I looked up online years ago I had I was told that there was a, like high statistics that someone that attempts suicide and and survives uh a lot of people do it and succeed down the road mm-hmm so I was looking up for those statistics cuz I am a numbers guy. So I'm looking I'm just doing a Google search. I couldn't find anything. But I was like, "Okay, let me see. Is there help for people that attempted suicide and lived through it?" And then I saw your podcast there.
1: There's not a lot of help, Bobby. <laughs> By the way, there's not much out there, but that's just my experience.
0: That's my experience too cuz you're the only you're the only podcast that I saw that like People are actually talking about this and suicide is taboo. It's really taboo. People, nobody wants to talk about it.
1: No, it's nobody wants to, to
0: talk it. about it because it's like, it's scary. It scares people.
1: Their, their fear and discomforts one of the reasons why people are continuing to kill themselves so often. Yes. Now I'm like, not telling them what to do. I don't do that. I don't tell people what to do. I just want them to know the consequences of what they're doing. That's all. Right. You make the decision. Sorry mm-hmm. you're a little uncomfortable.
0: Yeah.
1: Sorry you're a little uncomfortable. And then, so, and you wanted to talk. Obviously, that's why you reached out.
0: Yeah. I, I want to help. I'm not a
1: therapist that way, in that way.
0: Therapy can be great.
1: Yeah.
0: It could also not be great.
1: Right. And I don't need to be a therapist to just be a human.
0: I think empathy heals all or a lot. Yeah.
1: As people from our generation might say, word.
0: Yeah. All
1: right. Let me go back. All right. Go back to the early 90s when you you, you don't die. Mm-hmm. You're in New York for a few years and then you make your way south, if I'm not mistaken. Right.
0: I was in New Jersey. So, in the 12-step rooms, you find a lot of sick people. Yeah. You find a lot of healthy people too, but you find some sick people. And uh one person that I fell I fell in love with, and she was a, a junkie, so I became a junkie. Oh, you went back? I went back to using.
1: What'd you use? Heroin, crack. I don't know how people come back from heroin.
0: Uh yeah, you know, my my heroin and crack use was uh lasted only nine months, and I say this that because I don't understand how like all these old school junkies had done it for so many years because I couldn't do it. Uh, So I ended up on my sister's doorstep. She lived in Brooklyn and my dad was in the picture again. And he was moving to Florida because his his, uh, girlfriend lived down in Miami. So I decided I wanted a fresh start.
1: Mm -mm -mm, Florida, Bobby. I don't know, know, bro.
0: There's a there's a saying no matter where you go, there you are.
1: Well, and Florida in particular.
0: Miami? I mean, my my stepbrother was a Coke dealer, <laughs> you know?
1: So you continued using there. or Are you selling drugs also at this point?
0: No, I could have, but I wasn't smart enough to. <laughs> because
1: that's the type of question some people might be dishonest about for understandable reasons, but you're being honest?
0: I couldn't deal. I couldn't do it. You know, like, no. Nah.
1: How are you surviving down there?
0: My skin and my teeth, living with my father. I was living in his wife's girl, girlfriend's house, living on the sleeping on the floor a few months, I got suicidal <laughs> and I drank a couple of bottles of Boone's Farm wine and I called the cops. Why? Because I had a glimmer of hope still. This hope thing is still here somewhere. Why the cops though? Because I didn't know w- where to turn. We don't have
1: places to really turn. so we. Call I, didn't
0: know, I didn't know where to turn. You know, I didn't know anybody really. So I called the cops and I said, you know, you could pick me up now or pick me up later from killing myself.
1: Don't say that to cops, Bobby. You didn't get the fucking memo?
0: So the great thing is that a really cool cop shows up. Oh, cool. Who was a born-again Christian. He brought me to South Miami Hospital, gave me his personal phone number. and said, if you need to, call me. He showed me empathy.
1: Uh, note to all police officers, learn from that police officer, please.
0: Yeah. Then I got clean again. and went to that tra- uh, a treatment center. It was more for psych. Cause I felt like I was a nut job and I got clean again and I was clean for a year and a half and I was in a relationship and I got physically abusive and I decided that, you know, if I'm going to be doing this while I'm clean, I might as well be getting high.
1: So this is basically, and no one wants to be compared and I'm not doing, but back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. yeah. You either die or you give yourself up to something larger. It's, that's the, that's it. Yeah. And a lot of people on that path do die. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. had died, you don't have a daughter. Right. Isn't that crazy?
0: Mm-hmm. So I, so I decided to uh, go smoke some crack and drink some booze. Is that in Miami? That was in uh, Fort Lauderdale. Okay. I was living in Lauderdale at the time. What year was this? Uh, 96. Okay. And then my, my clean date is September 19th, 1996. September 18th, that was when I had a year and a half, and I decided to go get high. I had a great car. I had a 67 Chevelle. And I was going to sell it to my drug, the drug dealer for crack. And while I was talking to him about it in a parking lot, a cop pulls up and I just broke down and cried. I'm like, you know what? I really didn't want to get high. I just wanted to stop the pain. Right. Another cop with empathy shows up.
1: Wow. You got lucky, bro.
0: I did. Especially from what I did, you know, when I was 15. So yeah. So I ended up uh, going to a treatment center. It was a halfway house. But it took indigent people. I got really involved in twelve step program. I lived down there for ten years in, Lo- in Fort Lauderdale. I met a, my now ex wife down there. She had a job offer in Daytona, so I decided to move with her to Daytona. And then she got a job here in Gainesville, and I moved here to Gainesville with her.
1: Where or how did you meet?
0: Twelve step rooms.
1: So she's clean too. Yeah. And are you married at the time? We were together, partners. We were,
0: we were, we were partners.
1: Gainesville when
0: say like 17 years ago. Oh, wow. We ended up getting married and I became a dick. Um, Do you know why? It was a lot of things. I felt like she didn't hear me.
1: And at some point you have a kid. Yeah. There's a lot of people who died that would have had kids. And and at some point recently, your wife decides to leave.
0: We divorced three years ago and we separated two years before that.
1: And is she and your daughter still in Gainesville?
0: Yes. That's why I'm still here.
1: Where would you go if it, if you weren't there?
0: Anywhere. (laughs) I'm still meeting some good people here that make me want to stay, but the thing that's holding me here, my daughter's nearby, and my mom's going to be coming to Gainesville soon.
1: You think you're a good dad?
0: I think I'm a great dad. People tell me
1: I am. I fall short a
0: lot of times, though, you know?
1: I mean, sure. How many people know they were talking?
0: A few people from work. I'm really tight with people at work.
1: And when was the last time you almost tried to end your life?
0: Just about when I got separated from my, my ex, is when I started really contemplating getting rid of myself.
1: Well, how do you feel as we speak now? I mean, in terms of, are you, do you still have these, do you still want to get die?
0: No, not at all.
1: What changed? That's a big change, dude.
0: I reached, reached out for help again. I was seeing a psychiatrist because I needed medicine for my ADHD that I was diagnosed with at 40. I also have Tourette syndrome. Yeah, so I was like still like depressed and every day was, I couldn't find joy in anything. I, I really couldn't.
1: It's so weird. We're all just chemicals. Mm-hmm. and you just hope to get the balance close enough to be okay
0: yeah so i had gotten in touch with a friend of mine that I had known from new jersey and she had lived down here in florida we had club seen each other but we got back in contact on facebook which is great for those things you know and uh we called once each other once in a while and i was telling i called her one night just really really depressed like i just don't want to live this way anymore you know mm-hmm. i don't have a pot to piss in i only see my daughter on weekends you know i said i don't want to be Weekend warrior, dad. You know, I want to be in her life. That's when she told me that I need to be there for that girl. And that was the little glimmer that I got. My psychiatrist at the time asked me if I wanted to die. I said, Yeah, I want to think about it every day. And he's like, well, What's to keep you from doing it? I said, My frontal lobe has been fully developed, not like when I was 19. I took that quick shot, just spur in a moment, gonna kill myself thing. I've thought it through. I want to be there for my daughter. So there's, They told me there's a TMS treatment. And I was like, what the fuck is that? And they said they put magnets on your head and kind of reset you, your brain. I'll do anything. You know, just like with alcohol and drugs, I had hit a bottom of my depression. The medicine wasn't working really. I was clean and sober for a lot of years and still suicidal. Something had to give. So when I I started the TMS, I had to go every day, five days a week for six weeks. And they put this big helmet on your head. And it feels like woodpeckers pecking at your head. I have to wear a mouthpiece to stop from biting my tongue. Really? Yeah, it's, it's a lot of pressure. And this was all outpatient for me. I was actually con- contemplating uh, ACT treatment uh, because I was just, de- I was desperate. You know, I, I felt this way and I, I didn't want to feel that way anymore. I didn't want to feel suicidal. So I went through, went through this treatment. The fog started to lift after like six weeks. Like it just hit one day. I wasn't depressed, and I didn't think about killing myself.
1: What would you think about instead?
0: Hanging out with my daughter,
1: and you get to see her sometimes. Not on the weekends, or only weekends. I get her every
0: other weekend, and I pick her up from school twice a week.
1: Hang out a little bit.
0: Hang out, yeah.
1: What do you guys do together?
0: I'm getting out of my own element by trying to do things like you know. But yeah, we went to Disney in, in August last year. We had a great time. I take her to things. We went to a, a fundraiser, like a walkathon thing, and we got to walk. I take her hiking sometimes. I love the outdoors. I actually enjoy the outdoors nowadays again. Dating? Uh, you know, I'd like to, but when I was separated for a year, I I decided to give myself one year before I got involved with anyone. I needed to look at myself. And I found a woman twenty years younger who was great for a couple months, you know. <laughs> I was forty seven and she was twenty seven. Like, this is great, you know. But there was nothing really there. It was just superficial have fun thing. She she wasn't superficial, I was. I wasn't ready for anything after that i was like fuck it you know if i'll just keep an open mind if something happens it'll happen We went on a couple of dates here and there but nothing really clicked now i'm like i don't know if i even want a relationship right now life's getting pretty good does your daughter
1: know about your attempt she
0: doesn't know about my attempt oh yeah actually she does so i have the tattoo here i'll show you
1: wow bobby's showing me a rather elaborate tattoo i believe that is jesus christ depicted on a cross and some yeah. other
0: right Underneath it is a, is a lotus, a purple lotus with a semicolon in the middle. When did you get that? Last year.
1: Daughter asked about it or you just told her?
0: She asked me about it. Actually, she, she told me, she said, I know what that means, but I just want you to know, I'm glad it didn't work. Ooh, I'm glad she didn't do it.
1: That must have been a moment.
0: Yeah. She knows about my depression.
1: Did she know that it was before she was born or more, she thought it maybe was recent?
0: She doesn't know about my attempt, but she knows that I wanted to. But she knows I've been, been suicidal. Wow.
1: Is, is this the first time you've talked about it this openly in terms of like, you know, I mean, some people will hear this. It's not just in a 12-step group or, you know, it's a little more open, a little more public.
0: Yeah. Well, i the way I see it, um, everyone has a story. I need to tell my story to maybe help someone else with their story. People have shared hope with me. I think that's how this thing works. You know, people helping each other. And no matter what our differences are. People, anybody can feel, I'm not going to say anybody, but many people can feel empathy. And when you speak with empathy, people know it.
1: I think so. Do you ever um, wish that you had been successful back in 89?
0: Not now, no. Not at
1: all. But a few years ago, if I asked you that, it might have been a yes? Yeah. Do you think you'll make it to 55?
0: I hope so. I want to. That's the big thing. I want to. I want to be old because I have a daughter. (laughs) I want to watch your get older. Up, you know, I would be there for her. You no, know, I'm enjoying my time I spend with her. I really enjoy the time we spend together.
1: That's that's amazing. You believe in God?
0: I don't know. I've, I've uh, gotten into like secular Buddhism. That helps me a bit. Yeah, it's funny because, like, I, I guess, like you heard, you know, I had a good experience with a Catholic church. I can't understand
1: that kind of. If you'd gotten unlucky and you were in a different church, it might have been a very right. different thing, right? Yeah. There's so many things. It sounds like that you so easily could be dead absolutely so unlikely you're here, I think, yeah, or maybe you see it differently and it's sort of a divine you're meant to be here so i yeah i
0: I'm, I'm I must be here for a reason I do I believe that
1: yeah how many how many people do you have to talk to about I't necessarily suicide but difficult things
0: by choice lately about two Now, see when the pandemic hit i my anxiety went through the roof, I became kind of claustrophobic. A hermit. When I wasn't working, I would just lock myself in my apartment, eat, (laughs) and look for you know things online. Like you know, that's how I found you. Okay. But the the anxiety like hasn't left. Really, it's still there. So I like I stopped going to the twelve step meetings, and I went to some Zoom meetings. But to me, there there was there feels like a disconnect. One of my love languages is is physical touch, Mm. and I I I I yearn for that. I haven't been getting it, so I kind of like. Stop doing those things that were keeping me okay.
1: Is it better now that we're not really in the pandemic anymore? Yeah, I think
0: we're starting to get better. My anxiety has lifted a little bit. Um, I'm also able to do things socially, uh, but still haven't gone to really got got to go to twelve step meetings. My excuse is that I'm old and I'm tired. I work a lot of I work early mornings, and by the time like meeting time comes around, they either miss a noon meeting or the meetings are too late. I go to to bed like 6.30 at night. I work 5 a.m. to 1 p.m.
1: Do you think there's a chance that you'll pick up an alcoholic beverage at some point?
0: There's always a possibility.
1: Or do heroin.
0: Or try to kill myself. I don't know. I know right now I'm still doing things to keep me from doing that stuff. I meditate every single day.
1: Does that work for you? Helps?
0: It works a lot. It works really well for me. I'm still able to talk to some people, you know, that are close. But where I'm working, I've been there for 10 years and I've been working with some of these people for a long, long, long time. They know me.
1: You didn't punch your boss in the face, right there?
0: No. I'm
1: just joking. Do you think there's anything you could say to you or somebody like you when you were mid to late teens that would make a difference? Or do you think somebody just has to go through the stuff and hopefully make it through?
0: I don't think anything anyone told me had made a difference. I still decided to, to try to take my own life.
1: I don't just mean that. I mean, just alcohol and drugs and violence and all of it. Is there anything I could say to you when you were 16 that would have made a difference?
0: No, because everything was sent to me. I had to experience it. Yeah. And I have no regrets. I don't regret anything I, that that's happened in my life because it made me who I am. And when I think about it, I'm a pretty fucking strong guy.
1: That's true, too.
0: I've been through so much shit and I got through it. Wow.
1: Are you going to write that fucking book at some point? Maybe. That'd be nice. Are there any myths? If you've heard the podcast, you know I asked this question, right? Like myths around um, really anything we've talked about. I don't know. All right, you don't need to have one. Yeah. No myths about tattoos. You got tattoos. Tell me about them. Yeah.
0: When I was younger in recovery, I um, decided to uh, feel pain. Then it got me through. I know I didn't, I didn't. I wasn't a cutter, but when I had real, real emotional pain, I would go get a tattoo.
1: Oh, it's something I never thought about. Maybe that's one reason people get tattoos.
0: Yeah, I got piercings too, you know, and it's cool.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's cool. Yes, no no arguments there. It's cool. And we all want to be cool. Let's not kid ourselves.
0: Yeah, everybody wants to be cool.
1: Everybody wants to be cool. I don't really have any other questions other than I just want (laughs) to thank you for joining me and talking and being so open. And do you ever go to a Florida Gators game?
0: Oh, yeah. Actually, uh, a few weeks ago, I went to a softball game with my daughter.
1: So it's three o'clock. You'll be in bed within three or four hours. Yeah. What are you going to do until then?
0: Shower and do a bunch of laundry.
1: Fucking exciting shit.
0: It is. Real life
1: stuff. Life stuff is life stuff. Not every month can be exciting, right? We just have to maintain stuff. Yeah. Clean ourselves, do our laundry, buy some food. What else do you want to add, my friend?
0: I'm glad I got to hear your podcast because it did get me through a lot of shit. Just hearing other people with the same issues that I had or have that have gone through the same thing as me and got through it. That's the big point is they got through it.
1: Well, I'm glad to hear that. For sure, man. I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. And now, and like you said earlier, you uh, will be offering that to other people as well by being on here and sharing stuff. And there'll be people who hear it and connect with you and your stuff. So, story or... You said that's what it's all about. Your work. It words. is. I hope maybe one day I could help save someone's life. I mean, you probably are in some yeah. ways, right?
0: Yeah. I'm saving myself right now by talking about it. And it's not taboo.
1: And it's not we're not candy coating it. Right. Because that's not actually talking about it.
0: No. Life is fucked sometimes. Yeah. Then I got to get through it.
1: I mean, literally, if you, see, if you see the process of birth, you know this shit isn't going to be easy.
0: Yeah. Seriously. It's
1: all there for you. This is not going to be easy. Don't right. expect it to be.
0: Yeah. One of the things I really liked about hearing your podcast is that you've, you have a foul fucking mouth.
1: <laughs> you know? One of the things that I've decided <laughs> was I'm going to be myself. Yeah. Because it's my podcast and the nature of podcasting, I can do mostly whatever I want. Right. You know, there's a lot of people that would approach people who are or have been suicidal with like kid gloves. I'm like, that's bullshit. Right. They're grownups. They don't need to be kid glove bull. I don't, just let's just fucking talk. Now, there might be people who never reach out to me who don't like my style, but that's okay. I'm not here to necessarily be all things to all people. So I'm glad that you say that because I do sometimes curse. Yeah. I do sometimes joke around, but I don't think I'm doing it at your expense. I'm just...
0: I've never seen, felt that at all. I know,
1: no. Well, good, good, because I, I wouldn't want people to think that. I don't really apologize for what I do, and I won't. Mm-hmm. All right, brother, enjoy your laundry. It was really good talking to you. Nice talking to you, too. Thank you. Take care, Bobby. As always, thanks so much for listening and all of your support. Special thanks to Bobby down in Florida. Thank you, Bobby. If you are a suicide attempt survivor and you'd like to talk, please reach out. Hello at SuicideNoted.com on Facebook or Twitter at Suicide Noted. And check the show notes for all kinds of other things, including our membership. We would love to have you join. We could use the support. There are some perks. However you're involved, however you participate, thank you very much. And that is all for episode number 161. Stay strong. Do the best you can. I'll talk to you soon.